if the Lord is my shepherd, and he leadeth me, and he can protect me. Now, there's natural things that we should do, yes. Uh, it's it's kind of like the person, you know, that jumped off the Empire State Building. Lord, I'm just going to trust you to take care of me. And halfway down, so far, so good. Now, you know they got an appointment with the concrete in just a few seconds. You can jump out in front of a Mack truck. And, Lord, if you don't want me to die, I know I'm not going to get hit. Smack. Tempt not the Lord thy God. So there's to be a balance in Scripture, balance in your Christian life. Some people are just plain stupid, dumb, like putting your hand into the fire. Well, if it's God's will for me not to get burned, it won't hurt. Duh. And then you blame it on God because you made bad decisions. You're just turning the Word of God and make the right decisions. But notice what he says. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. There's a song we often sing called, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And whenever you don't have peace of mind, you don't have joy. And when you don't have joy, you don't have strength to keep going on. Because then fear stops you. Fear is a success crusher. Fear causes people not to do the things that they should. And the last part of that verse says, And whom shall I be afraid? Now take your Bible and go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Back to the book of Genesis. Genesis in chapter 2. Because I want to use some of the things that we've talked about and relate it to the worst virus in the world. And that it is 100% fatal. And there is an antidote for this fatal virus. There's only one antidote. You see, they're struggling right now to try to come up with an antidote to some of these viruses that we have. Well, God already has one. Do you know what that antidote is to the sin problem? called Jesus Christ and he is the only antidote because see this virus may kill but the antidote gives me life eternal life once I trust Christ as my savior I received an antidote and this old body whenever it's gone that's fine and dandy because God says that very moment of death is the victory of deportation. Now, look what he says here in chapter 2. Look in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God created you. Now, look in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And then in verse uh, 17 or 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, or you're going to get a deadly virus. That was in the Hebrew. (laughs) But it's right there. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And he made that statement, and then God also did something else. Look at verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept, 
and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her into, unto the man. God made a woman out of a man's rib. I came home from work one day, and Betty's, I thought she was trying to tickle me. I said, what are you doing? Because I'm very ticklish. She says, I'm counting your ribs. I said, why? See if there's another woman in your life. <laughs> Y'all's laughter really made me thankful. Because sometimes, you know, I put out those little jewel and it just goes right over your head. You didn't even get it. But then God made a woman. You say, well, why did God make a woman? Well, it depends on who you ask. He asked a woman. She said, well, God made a man. And then after looking at him, he says, I can do better than that. <laughs> but you see, if you asked a man, he says, do you realize that he would have been perfect? He'd still be alive today? <laughs> but the woman's the only one that's telling the truth. She's always up in the air, <laughs> nothing to wear and harping on something. But anyway... Here in the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, it makes this statement. Look in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to be made one wise, she took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Rule number one, don't always listen to your wife. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you got to be careful nowadays. But I'm just reading the scriptures here. Do you realize if she hadn't have done that, we'd still be back in the garden of Eden eating strawberries? Just laying there and she'd feed them to us, you know. Now look at us. We're all dying. Because see, a virus was brought into the world. That sinful nature, that rebellion to God. And see, that's why whenever you read that and you study that, you'll find out there's something that happens. Look in verse 7. In verse 7, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and that means that they now know they are guilty. You see, some of the signs that you have this, um, this terrible virus is there's a thing called guilt when you do something that's wrong. And when you do something that's wrong, you, then you want to hide. And that's why people want to hide from God, because God is righteous, and they're not. So he came walking in the garden. And it says in verse 8, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. So that means you run from God because of guilt. You see, there are some of these um, signs that you have uh, this deadly virus. You know, there's some people that don't believe they, they're sinners because they say, I don't have any signs that I'm a sinner. I haven't done anything wrong. What they mean is I haven't, um, I haven't murdered anybody lately, you know, and I haven't done anything really bad like robbing a bank. But did you know that uh, when Jesus was here and he did everything perfectly well, and that a statement that I got from Jesse the other night, he said, and Jesus, he, he never had one impure thought. Now, I've known that, but I never thought about it and said it like that. So I appreciate that. See, I can learn some things from him. Not much, but I can learn a few things from him. <laughs> And so there is the guilt. And in verse 9, it says, and Jesus came along and says, where art thou? And that's accountability. 
In other words, are you going to be held accountable to your Creator for what you do? Evidently. You see, the stories are in the Bible to let us know how God acts, what God knows, what God sees. See, He knows and describes the so sinful nature that we have. And then He makes a statement there in verse 10. Verse 10, and He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was what? I was afraid. See, this one of the symptoms of this terrible virus is the fear. You see, fear doesn't come from God. Fear comes because of a sinful nature. See, that's because we have sinned against a holy God. And that fear robs you of joy, robs you of peace of mind. And you and I are supposed to be careful. Now, you look there in verse 12 and 13. Uh, this is where the blame comes in. You see there in verse 12... He said, why did you do that? The man says, the woman whom thou gave it me, God, it was your fault. You know that woman you made? I wouldn't have done this hadn't been for that woman you made. You ever seen a guy that he marries a perfect wife? And the man, he's never been perfect, never will be perfect, but that perfect wife, she does everything right. That's why I never try to remember anything. Because Betty remembers everything. And no sense, both of us trying to remember all of it. Did you know that if God never slumbers and never sleeps, there's no sense both of us staying awake at night worrying about something, is there? So if he never slumbers, never sleeps, just let him stay awake. He's already awake. But I need my sleep. I'm going to bed. Now, in verse 13, he said to the woman, and says, uh, you, gotta, you know what she did? She blamed the serpent. You know that serpent? He did it. I listened to him. But see, God, if you hadn't have made that, and Lord, if you hadn't have made that one, that, did you realize none of us would be doing anything wrong if somebody else hadn't have done something? It's always somebody else's fault. Why did you slap your wife? Well, the woman and a man had to go before the judge. And uh, the judge says to the wife, it says, why did you kick your husband in the stomach? She says, he turned around. Now, in verse 16, you have sorrow. So there's fear, there's terror, there's sorrow. All of these are symptoms because of this great sin that came into the world. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 3. Romans in chapter 3. In Romans in chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they're all under sin. They all have this, um, this virus. And they all sin. That's why verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or short of God's perfection. You see, it's because we all have this virus that we were born with. Now, how did I get this infection? Well, because of my mom and dad. They passed it on to me. Have you ever heard about maybe women who uh, either drink alcohol or do drugs and then their child can have some symptoms that is a result of their sin? It's possible. Well, see, it's passed on down the line. It was interesting. Jay, while ago, asked how many people here have children, how many have grandchildren, how many have great-grandchildren. Well, thanks to you, you passed on this virus. 
Do you realize how many people you have passed the virus on to? And every one of us are infected. And there's only one cure for this virus. But first of all, look there in verse 11. There's none that understand it. That's because of the virus. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. There's nobody that is perfect. Nobody without this virus. You've all been infected. It affects your thinking. It affects your trust. It affects your love. It affects your body. It affects you emotionally. Everything in your life is affected by it. See it up there in verse 13. Their throat is an open sepulchre. Tongues. It affects everything. Verse 14. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. See, all of this is uh, symptoms of this old sinful nature that we have. This old virus that we have. And as you go down through here, it says in verse 17, uh, way of peace they have not known, no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law said, that saith to them who are under the law. You see, the, the law has a purpose for it. The symptoms of the virus are all guilty. And the law is what uh, helps us to detect the virus. God gave this standard of righteousness. And if you can't keep all of that means you're infected. So the proof to every one of us that we have this virus is because God's standard of righteousness, we have broken it because we are sinners. And there's a price to pay for all of this. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look at another scripture with me. Look in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews in chapter 9. The book of Hebrews... Chapter 9, and look there in verse 27. If you don't have verse 27 underlined, you should maybe underline verse 27. This is the um, consequences that God says everyone that gets this virus is going to die. That's why in verse 27, as it is appointed unto every man wants to what? Wants to die, and after this to judgment. The wages of sin is death, and sin means you have got the virus. And there is no cure for it except one. And your good works can't change it one iota. Going to church cannot change it, cannot solve it. There is no amount of money you can pay, no good deeds that you can perform. That's why Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for our sins. Now, I want you to take your Bible. And while we're right there, just look in verse 26. Where it says in verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he, the Lord, appeared to put away the virus by the sacrifice of himself. That was the only cure for the virus is for him to pay for the sin. That's why it says not only that he take our sins upon him, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, he became sin. He became the virus and slewed the virus, killed the virus, came back from the dead. And that's the only cure. So when we accept him as our, you know, um, our vaccine, he has enough for everybody. They were trying to create one for the coronavirus. And then they got to try to 
have enough for everybody. Isn't it true that right now they have certain flu shots for people so they don't get the flu? And then when you take the flu shot, you got it? So some people are afraid to take the flu shot. In spite of thousands of people, and they estimate about 30,000 people die a year. And they still go to church. They still go to work. They still do everything they do to them. But this is something new. So now it's justification for me not to do anything. I'm just going to get in my house, get in there in a closet someplace, and stay away from everybody and become a hermit. Well, you can try it if you want, but I don't think it's wise. I believe I'm going to just live my life. You say, what if you get the virus? Then I die. I already have one that's going to kill me. I've already tried to figure out how to get out of this world alive, and without the rapture, I'm not. So how long do I want to live? Forever down here in this body? I don't think so. Anyway, I'm not worried about it. Now, one other scripture in closing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. This is where we have the best news in all the world. Isn't it true that you have already lived longer than you probably thought you would? Just stop and think for a minute. I never thought I was going to live this long. So praise the Lord. I've, lived, I've always told, you know, 70 years, 70 years. Well, that was eight years ago. I'm already on, you know, grace time. And if I get another 10 years, I thought, just think, another 10 years, I'll be almost 90 years old. Now, 90, that's old. 80, that's not old. It's just that, you know, you get, that's just the top of the hill, and then there's a plateau that goes for about 20 years, and then you start going down the hill. So I'm not over the hill. I'm on top of the hill. A lot of difference. Have you ever noticed how time seems to fly, though, once you start down the hill? I can tell you this. It was always easier when I went to mountains coming down the hill than it was going up the hill. But here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news. There is a solution, you know, a remedy for this terrible, deadly virus, and it's good news. That's the gospel. He says, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. How can I take the antidote in vain? Well, if Christ did not come back from the dead, then he's still dead. But he came back from the dead. So the virus was defeated, and he had victory over it. And so therefore, when he says, you need to take this antidote that I've got for you, this is the only serum that will really work. Well, because he came back from the dead, he's alive forevermore. Never to be touched again. That's why the Bible talks about when we get to heaven. God said, I'll wipe away all tears from their eyes and there'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death because there'll be no more virus, no sin. And it'll be perfect peace for all eternity. Now that's where we're headed. We're not there yet, but we're going there. So we're to live now in fear and trembling. I don't think so. Now you can but you don't have to. But remember this. 
don't mock or make fun of somebody else just because they may not have that same peace of mind you may have. They may not, um, you know, want to um, have that Christian smile because sometimes people have grave concerns where they have a little fear. But we're not to mock them or make fun of them. It's just maybe their faith isn't where it's supposed to be. And some people can have some because they have a loved one they're concerned about. Or people in a nursing home they're concerned about. Because when something hits, it can spread like wildfire. We know that. But you as an individual should walk and live your life with your confidence in the Lord. And trust Him. That still means you need to make wise decisions. So we may not want to, like I said... Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, a holy kiss. You say, what's this boy and girl? Whatever you do, don't do a holy kiss. So what's the difference between a, a kiss and a holy kiss? About three minutes. <laughs> Whatever, anyway. <laughs> but in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. And that's why we accept Christ as our Savior. He is the only hope for us to have eternal life. Because when we're born in this world, we're all sinful and we're all going to die. And it's the terriblest virus there is. And it's 100% sure. But wouldn't you like to have the antidote so you can trust Christ as your Savior? And have eternal life. And go to heaven whenever you die. Look up here. Did you know what? Almost 60 years ago in Athens, Georgia, I received my injection. I got my shot. I trusted Christ as my Savior. And what did he give me? Eternal life. And he says, I'll never cast you out and never lose you. It means I'll never have to get it again. It lasts forever. And every Sunday in church... And Sunday night and Wednesday night, I'm, uh, I'm like the doctor, and I'm trying to give people, you know, the antidote to their problem. Now, on the back of my car, my tag has on it, I'm having second thoughts about why I did that, Dr. Yank. Because I'm always traveling on the road, and I can never remember. They, always, they used to always ask, what is your tag number? I don't know. I'd have to go out there and try to get my tag and write it down because I could never remember it. It was the craziest number. Then I'd go in there, and then they never went out and looked to check. I thought, well, why did I, do? I could have made up anything I wanted. So I thought, I know who I am, Dr. Yank. I'm just going to put, I was going to put Yankee, but they, somebody already got it. I don't know who did that. But I'm the real official Yank. Anyway, so I got Dr. Yank on there. Now I came out of the restaurant one day, and this guy comes up. He says, is that your car? I said, yes, it is. He says, I know what you do for a living. I says, what's that? He says, you're a chiropractor. <laughs> I says, no, I'm not a chiropractor. He said, what do you do? I says, I yank people out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's happened again. And the person says, I know what you do for your job. I says, what's that? He says, you're a dentist. <laughs> I says, no, I'm not a dentist. I didn't know that the name would go and get me some opportunities to, you know, to talk to people about the Lord. But every Sunday night, Wednesday night, did you know that during the week after you trusted Christ the Savior, that during the week, God says, if you'll take 
And every verse in the Bible is like, uh, this is the antidote for this problem. See, I've already got the one for my eternal life. I've already got the one for the death problem. That's solved. But during my life, uh, God says, now, if, if you'll do this, this will help you to be immune to this temptation. If you do this, that'll help you with this problem and this testing. So Sunday night, uh, just you're speaking tonight, right? He's going to try to give you some antidote for some of your problems you're having. Do you know a lot of people live their whole lives in misery because they're not getting their weekly shots? They, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then they wonder why physically in this life, emotionally, why you're dying. You're walking around as a, a dead man. You're talking about dead men walking. There's a whole a lot of them, and most of them go to church. <laughs> this hand represents you and me. No huggy bear, smacky mouse. No handshaking. Out of respect for people who think it's the wise thing to do. God didn't say anything about not being wise. But now, God loves us. But he hates our sin because everybody's a sinner. Everybody has this old virus. And there's consequences to our decisions. But God loves us. And he hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. And the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God in hell. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And go to heaven, you got to be perfect. As righteous as God and none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to go. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself. You cannot inoculate yourself. You don't have the right serum to take care of this virus you have. Jesus Christ is the only one. That's why you can't go to heaven because of trying to live a good life and giving money and all. Those are nice, but it doesn't take away the sin. Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and is offering eternal life to everyone that will believe he did it for them. So when you believe he did it for you, he puts that payment to your account. You get to go to heaven on what Christ did. Since I did it 60 years ago, do I, do I have to do it again? No, because it's a shot that lasts forever. You never have to do it again. You can't get saved twice. This is good for eternity. The payment that he made for us. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. I hope all this made some sense to you. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and perhaps you've never really understood how to have eternal life, how to go to heaven, I hope you can see that we're all sinners and that none of us can save ourselves. That there's only one remedy and that's Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross, paid for your sins, came back from the dead and said he wanted you to trust what he did for you. Accept him as your Savior, and he will give you as a free gift everlasting life. And by doing that, God gives you eternal life. You're his child. You get to go to heaven whenever you die. And if you will trust the Lord, I'd like to know. And I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting. If what I've said made sense to you, say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to ask you if you'll just raise your hand very quickly and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all before we close? If you've already trusted the Lord, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done so, would you trust him right now? And what at all? Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for this time together. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.